So in response to the promise that David received over about a forever king, the text today is when that king is then promised to be born from Mary in her song. And then we'll read the context of that first in 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. That anointed is a reference to the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus Christ. And we'll read then about the visit of the angel to, Gabriel, uh, to Mary, the angel Gabriel, when she went to visit, when he went to visit Mary. That's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26, page 855, the Pew Bible. So with that song of Hannah in our minds and the promise given to David so many years before we read in Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, 
and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. As far as the reading of the text or the context, the scriptures, we'll sing together now Psalm 98, stanzas 1 and 2. It's a psalm that speaks of singing a new song, the victory of the Lord. It's what happened when for the Lord gave a victory, the people responded with song, like you can see in the case of Mary, uh, Moses and David, and now with Mary. So the so a new song in response to an announcement of victory as the Lord remembered his people. These themes are found in Psalm 98, stanzas 1 and 2.
text for the message this morning is Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. We'll read that together. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, last week we saw how the Lord prepared the world for the coming of Christ already thousands of years before Jesus was born. That also means that the people of God were waiting, waiting for a very long time for their Messiah to come. After the exile, there was a faithful remnant of Jews who were looking for the, the coming of the anointed king. And Mary, the young woman betrothed to Joseph, she was one of them. And although it appeared to her she was growing up that things would continue as they had always been, with people marrying and giving in marriage and one generation to the next, all of a sudden, one day, the angel Gabriel, who was sent from God to talk to her, approached her and greeted her. Perhaps for her it was kind of like the feeling that you have when you're a child and, you, and you're really looking forward to something for a long time, like your birthday. And then that morning you wake up and it is your birthday and your mom or your dad says, good morning, it's your birthday today. And you feel so, so excited. You were waiting and then the day actually came. Or perhaps like a teenager might have on graduation day. Or a young woman or young man on, on their wedding day. Or an old man on the last day of his life on earth. And someone says, today is the big day. And you can't believe that long-anticipated special day for you is actually going to happen. Well, the news that Mary heard from the angel is, is the reason that all these other days are special for us. And she heard that the promise given to David would be fulfilled through her son. That the Lord would give to her when the Holy Spirit came over her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. Mary responds, you can see David's song, or even in her response, she 
the themes of God's grace and his covenant love and this coming gracious king. She says, that she kind of summarizes that in verse 38, chapter 1. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. It's just like David prayed. Let it be just as you said. When Mary went to see the sign that confirmed the promise to her by visiting her Elizabeth, her relative Elizabeth in the hill country of Judah, there was no reason to doubt the angel's words. The day had really come. It really was happening. And Mary would be the mother of the forever king promised to David. And now when Mary puts it all together and she turns her heart to the Lord in song, you'll see that the theme of joy, joy, characterizes all her words. The theme of joy is so central that for centuries the church has referred to Mary's song as the Magnificat. You can see that even in the title in the, in the Pew Bible above verse 46. That's Latin for the words magnifies, which are the first word of that song in, the, in that version. Mary's joy is central. Mary's joy is prophetic. So her song reveals to us what it will be like in our hearts and our lives when the Lord and Savior returns according to the promise. You see, the day of our Lord, Lord's coming is unknown to us. We also are, are waiting. We've waited a very long time. And yet we believe that one day our Lord Jesus will come again. Mary received a visit from an angel. Just one day, there he was. We will hear a cry of command with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And through the revelation of Mary's song, the Holy Spirit shows us that that day will be an amazing, wonderful day. Our hearts will be filled with joy as God fulfills his promises. I preached to you that God, this gospel under this theme. Mary's song prefigures the joy of God's people at Christ's coming. We see joy in God's mercy, joy in God's justice, and joy in God's faithfulness. If you look to the first words of Mary's song, they reveal to you her overwhelming and yet deep, profound joy in the Lord for granting her the privilege of having a place in God's plan to bring salvation. This joy was experienced in her, in her soul, in her spirit, she says. For when believers come to see the Lord's mercy, it affects them in the very depths of their being. In reaction to God's announcement to her, Mary magnified the Lord, which is like putting a, a magnifying glass on the Lord so that he takes up all your attention and makes him great in your life. And so focusing on the Lord, seeing all that he was doing, we read that Mary rejoiced greatly. 
She felt a profound happiness because she recognized that God was her Savior. Although she, Mary, was sinful like everyone else, she did not need to be afraid because God had favored her. Even though she was of a humble estate, she was unknown. She was just a regular woman at that time. In fact, she could be joyful exactly because of her humble estate, because that is what made it clear to her that God expected nothing from her. He was taking over. He was going to do everything. The basis of Christian joy is not how much we're able to do. It's not our experiences. It's not our social standing. The song of of Mary, it, it declares to us the basis of our joy is that God shows mercy to those who have empty hands. So when we die, when we face our maker, or when our Lord Jesus returns on his great day, we will be overwhelmed. We will rejoice greatly in his great mercy to us. It'll be the cause of great and eternal joy. Nothing we have done. Magnify the Lord. And in her song of response to God's wonderful announcement, Mary rejoices that she can be an instrument in God's hand that he could use to bring the church into the next era of God's unfolding plan of, of salvation. She says that things will change from now on. See that? Verse, the end of verse 48. For behold, from now on, her statement that all generations will call her blessed. That's not a selfish statement of a person rejoicing in their personal attention and fame. But that is a declaration of a woman who has experienced that God would do what is impossible for man, for any person to do. Like Hannah, when we sang that song, Hannah who praised the Lord that her horn is, is lifted high. Mary connects her blessedness to the great things that the Lord did for her. And then you see the song of Elizabeth. Elizabeth connects Mary's blessedness to her faith and her, her willingness to accept her role as an instrument in God's hand. You can see that in verse 45. Well, now we, today, we don't venerate Mary as a mediator for our sakes. But we too continue to recognize that Mary was blessed in a very special way to be called to this task. We praise the Lord that she may continue to serve as a model and a representative of what it is to experience God's grace and his mercy. It's a beautiful thing for us to see how the Lord carries out his eternal plan of salvation in time and through the very people 
He is working to save. We say, magnify the Lord. And Mary's song helps us to realize what kind of joy we can experience when we see how God uses each one of us also as instruments in his hand. Maybe not in such a crucial part and place as Mary's was, but the Lord is working salvation through his church, and, and we are that church. For centuries throughout the Old Testament, mothers had, had been hoping and praying that their child would be the Messiah. And Mary's joy to hear that she could have this privilege, well, that's also our joy when we realize what an honor it is to give birth to children who may now experience God's grace in the new from now on. And so with reference to the promises of Genesis 17, verse 7, and Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, Mary's song is also the song of every faithful covenant child whom God uses to shine the light of the gospel to those around him. And then can you see how Mary's song prefigures the joy over God's mercy that we will experience when Christ returns again? When he comes, we'll look at the, the results of God's powerful work in our lives. We will see how how God used us as instruments in his hand to fill his kingdom with his chosen ones. Mothers, they will look and they will, they will see the fruit of their labor. And parents will, will wonder, they will wonder at the great things God did for them and for their children. In spite of all our weaknesses, missionaries and everyone who who shared the gospel call with their neighbors, who, who, who let the light shine in their workplace as they, as they spoke of Jesus Christ. They will rejoice over the converts who, who may now join in with the song of praise to God. We will sing something very similar to, to what Mary sang. We will sing from now on, all generations will give thanks to the Mighty One for the great things that He has done their lives through his faithful servants. When Christians rejoice in the mercy of God, it is because they know of God's justice. All this rejoicing and mercy is greater when we understand who God is. The amazing of amazing grace is highlighted also by Mary. She explains who the Lord is. Hannah did the same thing when she sang. We, we could read that. He, she began her song, There's no one holy like the Lord. No one besides him. No rock like our God, who is Lord of the foundations of the earth. Well, Mary, too, she extols the Lord's sovereign majesty. She calls him the one who is mighty. She also praises him for his holiness, the justice and the holiness of the Lord to whom, before whom we, we, we live that reveals also the depth 
of his grace and his mercy to sinners when he sent his son to be the king of kings and lord of lords. Well, this becomes especially clear when we see that not everyone in the world was able to sing Mary's song. And, and Mary highlights this in her song. Like Hannah so many years before, Mary was aware that there are covenant blessings and covenant curses. The church always knows that, that all the oppression we see in the world and those who are oppressing, the shameless killing of, of people just because they are in the womb or have special needs or are old, the attacks on marriages and, and families, the injustice in the courts that just makes us weep, the overall arrogance of the so-called mighty and the richly powerful, well, we know that will not last. That's not what God's eternal kingdom looks like. Already thousands of years before Jesus was born, Hannah gave the warning. She said, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. God's justice. Mary reveals that in the coming of the Son of God, it is evident that the proud, in the thoughts of their hearts, the mighty on their thrones, and the unmerciful rich, well, they lost the battle to prevent Christ's birth. They will be scattered. They will be thrown down because Mary's son Jesus would bring about justice. Not a lot of Christmas carols focus on the justice of God as we see him at the time of his birth. But Mary does. She does that to show, to call people to humility before this king. God's people could know that the so-called mighty that we see sitting on their thrones, they don't represent what the kingdom of Jesus Christ is like. Rather, in the kingdom sings Mary, as did Hannah, there's a great reversal. Hannah's first First saying about the great reversal in the, in the kingdom of God where weakness is strength and the last become first and the first become last. And we read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. You, you can read that again, but it ends with the conclusion. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. But when God's anointed king came, he was not found in a king's palace or nestled in his crib under the watchful eye of the righteous leaders of the day. But he came to a world that did not receive him. He was placed in a manger. He was born to a poor, humble virgin named Mary who was displaced from her home at the time of childbirth by the, the Roman census. You see again that great 
reversal. And the gospel is that our majestic, eternal king is one who has been lifted from the ash heap as the one exalted from his humble estate. Just like Hannah prophesied and, and Mary repeated in her song. And so you see in, in, in the birth of Christ the character of the kingdom that Christ brings in. Peter quotes Proverbs 3, verse 34, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, God's power is made perfect in weakness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and following explain that God takes the weak, he takes the lowly, he takes the despised things of the world so that no one may boast before him. Our Lord is a God who is concerned for the weak. He is concerned for the hungry, Mary sings. He fills the hungry with good things. That's what the kingdom looks like, filling the hungry, caring for the despised, looking at the lowly. The Lord cares how you use your money. Comes right out here in, in, in the birth song. Those who stand on God's side, those who are rejoicing in this king born to Mary, they will show love to the weak and the hungry. That's that great reversal in the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ brings in. And then it reminds us again of what's really important in this life. And it's not money. And it's not fame. But rather it's kindness. It's love. If you look around, it's not the, the cool kids or the successful people in the eyes of the world who love the world do everything in order to try and get what the world offers in this life. But it's those of humble estate who are beautiful for their love. In verse 50 of Mary's song, the church repeats, the church repeats the glorious gospel that God's mercy is for those who fear him. That's how God judges in the world. And as we wait for our Lord Jesus to return, as we wait for the fullness of his kingdom that will fill heaven and earth, we remember again what the Lord revealed through Mary's song when he came the first time. Who will be there? Who will be there to receive the Lord Jesus when he comes again? It's just like we sang in Psalm 103. Not everyone and the covenant will be saved, but only the remnant who fear the Lord in humility from generation to generation. Those in whom God's grace is so abundantly clear. And they will praise God for the joy of his justice. They will sing of his mercy toward them as they celebrate his enduring faithfulness. 
If you look at the Psalm of, Song of Mary, you see so many references to the generations. She sees her work from the perspective of, of the generations, verse 48. She shows how God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, verse 50. And then she announces that the holy God who is mighty has helped and delivered Israel, servant, who are part of the forever offspring of Abraham, verse 55. If you look at verse 54, you see that Mary speaks of Israel. She uses a term that speaks of a, a child servant in the house, a ch child or a house servant, someone who belongs as a member of God's family. That's, that's how she refers to Israel. And after the time of the exile and the return to Israel, this was a, a very defined group of people who worshipped the Lord, who revealed himself in the law and the Psalms and the prophets. But what Mary may not have realized is that the, the Lord in her womb would help even more people than just the nation of Israel. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, you can see how, how the Holy Spirit explains how all nations, including non-Jews, Gentiles, all nations are blessed with Abraham when they believe in Jesus Christ who fulfills the promise of offspring to Abraham. That's the great mystery of the gospel that Paul was speaking about in Ephesians 3 that made the Jews in his time so upset and angry with him. You see, salvation comes to all by the promise and not by physical relation or race. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ receives the promised spirit through faith. And what that means for us is that because of God's faithfulness to his promises and through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, when Christ returns on his great day, even non-Jews will be able to sing, he has helped his servant, which is the church of Jesus Christ, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers in the faith, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And when Christ our Lord returns, like Mary did the first time, we also will rejoice in God's faithfulness. You can see in verse 54 the, the word help is used. God is a, a God who helps his church. And the word help is connected to remembering his mercy. God helps by remembering his promises, remembering about us even when we forget. God always remembers his covenant. We can always be assured of our perseverance because he ensures that his plan will be fulfilled. Can you, can you see the joy comes with this certainty. Well, the incarnation, the birth of our Lord, that was a major advance in Christ's kingdom-gathering work that Mary witnessed. She knew it was a, a game-changer, a from-now-on moment. But we know that was not the last step in God's plan. 
God is faithful to his covenant right to the end, right to the, the last of the generations that Mary was singing about. And we already know the from now on moment that came after Mary's song when Christ Jesus died on the cross. And we know the next from now on moment when he rose from the dead and defeated death. And the next when he ascended into heaven. And the next when he, when he poured out his Holy Spirit from heaven to dwell in the hearts of everyone who believes in him. Well, we rejoice like Mary rejoiced to see God's faithfulness to his plan as he carries it out. And so we can be certain that the next from now on moment when Christ returns again in glory will also happen any day now. We're waiting like a child waiting for his birthday party. Waiting when Christ returns like David and Isaiah and Ethan the Ezraite and Mary and Zechariah and so many other humble servants of God who feared the Lord. We are waiting. We are waiting for our Lord to return. And we already know some of the song, the new song that we will sing when, when he comes because the forever promise is real. And so brothers and sisters, rather than, than panic, when we are crushed by the sorrows of this life, and rather than living in the fear of death like you read about in Hebrews 2, we can trust in God's faithfulness to all those who fear him. We can look forward to that day with great rejoicing in our hearts. Mary's song prepared Israel for the incarnation and the work of the Son of God on earth. Her song also helps us to understand the joy that we will feel when it comes our time to see our Savior face to face. And when Christ comes again, we can be sure that his coming will cause a most overwhelming and profound joy that we will feel right in the core of our being, in our souls, and in our spirit. For Mary's song prefigures the joy of God's people at Christ's coming, assures us that we too will celebrate his mercy. We'll feel the joy as we see his justice and his faithfulness. And so we're going to sing the song of Mary in hymn 17. This is put to music, not as just a memorial, something that happened a long time ago to a lady named Mary, but also so that we might know what to say when God comes again, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns to take us with him into heavenly joy and glory. Amen.
I ask to rise if you're able to stand and we'll sing together hymn 17 which is the Magnificat or the Song of Mary. <laughs> 